This is Never Heard of a Podcast, a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. I'm Sean Harwell, and I'm joined today, as always, by the co-man of mans, Craig Moorhead. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, co-man. How are you doing? <laughs> Pretty good, co-man. What's new? I uh, cut the dead squirrel out of my tree. Oh, good. Good, Did good. We talk about, I can't remember if we talked about that on the podcast. So it's it's down. Uh, What'd you do with it? I just threw it in in, in the grass. Threw it in the neighbor's in the yard? high grass, like behind the tree. <laughs> okay. I figured, you know, it's got to, you know, dust dust to dust. I, I don't know. But it's not hanging in my tree anymore, and that's good. And you also want to give yourself a good opportunity to be haunted by this dead squirrel at some point, right? Right, because I'm thinking, I understand what being haunted by a human ghost is like. But I mean, like, what's a squirrel ghost going to, how's that going to be any different than just a squirrel? You know what I mean? <laughs> good point. Very good point. Yeah. You're going to hear scratching in the attic and be like, oh, yeah, it's a squirrel. squirrel. Yeah. Got in. It's just got a bed sheet over its head and uh, eyes right. cut out. But I'll never know. I'm not going, I'd never go up in the attic. <laughs> no, definitely. So not. that squirrel's really got its work cut out for it. Well, speaking of going into the attic, you want to mm. tell people where they can go to uh, check out our the attic of our show online somewhere? <laughs> yes. Good segue. <laughs> So, here's the things that you can do to impress your friends and family with your knowledge of our podcast. You can go to neverheardpodcast.com where you will find every single episode we've ever done, which, as Sean was pointing out, is closing in on what? 200. We're close. 200 episodes. If anybody knows exactly how many, let us know because we can't find the actual number anymore, so... Anyway, yeah. we need help with math. It's, we really do. We need an accountant mm-hmm. just just to count the episodes. <laughs> and then uh, from from our site, you will find other places on the web where we, you, you, you'll find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And those are places you can also contact us if you'd like to, to let us know how you're feeling, how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Are you eating enough? Is I it am. cold where you are? These are all important questions to us because we want you guys to be doing the best you can be doing. That's right. And uh, just this week, probably last week, when you're as of when you're listening to this, there's a very good podcast app on almost every platform, I think, called Pocket Cast that just went free for pretty much all the features you would need. And uh, yeah, that might be a good place for you to go subscribe if you haven't already. And we'd appreciate that as always. Mm. Craig, uh, I'm excited yeah. to talk about the movie we're going to talk about today, which is I Married a Monster from Outer Space. Hopefully everybody listened to the tee-up. I think it's a good transition for us to move into October, get excited yeah. about possibilities of Halloween and all the, the fun to be had there in mm. the diabetic coma we'll all mm-hmm. slip into after oh, that candy tirade. But first, I'd like to ask you what I always ask you this time of the podcast, which is what else have you watched, Mr. Moorhead? <laughs> well sean i'll tell you Mm. and i'll tell you as soon as i open my text file i love your text file you never know what kind of autocorrect you never know i know yeah it's really exciting Mm mm-hmm Okay, so I'll tell you what I've watched since September 5th, because that's where I'm at right now. I've watched apparently zero movies. <laughs> You're kidding. So, okay. 
what, what, what I have watched, I, I finished the Mine Hunters second season. Oh, tell me what you think. Which is so good. I'm I just love that show. I love the way it does what it does. Uh, it's it's heavily, heavily, and deeply, and almost angrily recommended by me. Jeez. Especially if you're if you're into you know crime true crime if those are your jams Mm -hmm. then go do it because man they're they're killing it over there and then i started watching a series on amazon prime that i think probably most people have already watched everything of called the boys it's it's a story from uh comic books you know comic books i know that one in particular i read volume one not too long ago written by mr garth innes yes of preacher fame for those of you who maybe have seen that now i've only watched the pilot and I think I made the mistake of watching it too close to when I had finished the book. And I just was like, eh, I'm kind of hanging on to some of those things that I liked about sure. the book that they changed. And I think reasonable changes that they made. Certainly mm-hmm. understand. And I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't quite push me over. And like, I'm going to finish this season immediately. So where are you in season one of The Boys? Well, that is interesting because I read the first volume of The Boys as well. But I did read that probably two or three years ago. It's a dirty, dirty book, man. Holy cow. It is. It is. It it's is. And it, and it is right messy. from the top. And, and yeah. honestly, for me, I remember reading the book and kind of feeling like, stop trying to shock me. That that, that, okay. that was like yeah. a thought in my head. I was like, come on. Like, I, I get it. Sure. But like, I love the premise. Mm-hmm. I love what they're doing with it. Yep. Uh, you know, and the, the ideas behind it. Definitely a lot of really cool... Um, a great setup and all this stuff. Anyway, I've watched a couple of, uh, episodes of it on Amazon Prime. I'm really enjoying the series. Cool. It's really interesting to me. I have this thing about comic books, too, where I feel like I've so seldom felt satisfied by a comic book story reading in a comic book. Like, I I, I mean, interesting. I, I like reading them, but I don't have I don't have the emotional response to them. Maybe maybe it's more as an adult. I don't know. I, I remember yeah, reading like be. Tales from the Crypt and stuff as a kid and like loving those so much. But but like there's just something that I, I don't know. Like now I, I just lose a little bit of like it just seems to just fly by and then I'm like, oh, I'm done. OK. Yeah. Doesn't resonate with you, perhaps. It doesn't really resonate with me. Okay. It's, it's it, and it can be a great book. There are still books that definitely do that. But anyway, that was one of those that, as a book did not really grab me. But I love the premise so much. and I think they're they're doing a good job. With the series as a whole, you might think about dipping back into it because their cast is really good. No, I definitely think I will. It's certainly knowing that pilots are just a pain in the ass uh, mm-hmm. to get off the ground and everything that's involved with them and that has to be set up and must be set up in that first episode. Usually it's a smoother ride from there on out, and I've heard nothing but good things. So definitely plan to check it out. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the TV front? Nothing else for me, Sean, but I'm interested to know what you've been watching. I got two documentaries for you and one show mm-hmm. I'll talk about here. Both of these documentaries I watched on Hulu and highly recommend them if you haven't seen them. Uh, one is called Three Identical Strangers from last year. Do you know about this movie, Craig? Yes. Okay. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Oh, it's really, it's really, it, really good. Yeah. It's a simple premise that there are there were triplets that were separated at birth in the uh, early 60s, I believe. Grew up not knowing that they had a sibling at all and that their adoptive parents did not know that they had a sibling at all, let alone uh, identical siblings. And through random encounter, kind of discovered this in 1981 and had a moment of like viral celebrity. And then 
you know, beyond that, just kind of, okay, what does life look like now? And why the hell were we separated and not told that we had siblings? And the answer to that is is pretty fascinating. There's a whole other layer to that documentary that I didn't quite expect. So big thumbs up to that. And the second one was Free Solo, which... Yeah, Star Wars! No, not... No. Oh. <laughs> Yes, carbonite, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, I couldn't help. I thought of that too when I was like, oh, yeah, free yeah. solo, do, do, do. No, Craig, not oh. Star Wars. This is okay. a story uh, about when Alex Honnold, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, uh, became, spoiler, the first person ever to climb El Capitan. Capitan? Capitan? I don't know how to say it. El, El Capitan? El Capitan, yeah. yeah. Uh, in Yosemite, without ropes, Craig. No rope. Seems like a big mistake. Seems like a real big mistake. It could have been. It could have been for all involved. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's fascinating. It's just, you know, it gets into the psychology of why you would do that and also the psychology of making a film about that because you don't know the outcome, but you do know that it could be fatal and awful and you would not mm-hmm. have a movie, so to speak. Super impressive cinematography, I thought, from guys who were primarily mountain climbers. So definitely check that out. And then I've been watching a show that I'm kind of in love with and also it's a little too repetitive at times, but it's called Letterkenny. And that, I don't know if you know about this. Yeah. It's a very small Canadian show about uh, a town of 5,000 people and their problems is what it sort of says, but it, it centers around like a group of, you know, hicks, uh, young hicks, live right. on a farm, work on a farm, and a couple of hockey players, and then some sort of goth meth head crazy guys, um, and just sort of how they interact. It reminds me of like the stuff I liked about Clerks when I first saw Clerks back in the day. That yeah. just sort of, it's just people kind of hanging out. It's very, very specific to the regionality. Dirty and funny and a lot of wordplay. I mean, just some insane, sane riffs and, and use of thesaurus in a show, which I didn't <laughs> expect it. It's, I, I don't know, if you get sucked into it, it's an easy one to just, like, it's comforting. Like, it's just fun to put on and enjoy and not think too much about. So, Letterkenny, also, thumbs up for me. Nice. Craig. Yes. Let's talk about something you didn't watch. Oh, okay. I Married a Monster from Outer Space is a movie from 1958. In fact, it came out in October that year, folks. Right around Mm -hmm. Halloween. This movie, IMDb says, is about aliens who arrive on Earth to possess the bodies of humans. One of their first victims is a young man whose new wife soon realizes something is wrong with him. A beautiful, innocent girl on her honeymoon. Her passionate dreams of perfect romance turned into a living nightmare. For this sweetheart she married, the man she had loved, was merely the hollow shell for the invaders from outer space. Bill! Who would believe her? Who could help her through the flesh-crawling terror of this unearthly marriage when anyone she turned to could be one of them? Could she touch the body of this masquerading alien who wanted to learn the secrets of human love. Your race has no women. It can't have children. It will die out. Eventually, we'll have children with you. Kind of children. All kind. Was it true? Could space monsters mate with Earth women? See the startling answer in the shocker of them all. It was directed by Gene Fowler Jr., written by Louis Vittis, you got Tom Tryon as Bill. Is it Farrell or Pharrell? I 
think it's feral. I couldn't understand him the whole time. Uh, you got yeah. Gloria Talbot and her eyebrows as Marge. Mm. Peter Baldwin as Officer Hank. Robert Ivers as Harry. A couple other guys who are, are just kind of in here who <laughs> were sort of hard to distinguish at times. Oh, wait, no, Sam. I could definitely make out Sam. Where's he? Alex Dexter as Sam Benson. That's all you really need to know cast-wise. We talked about this as a double feature in our in our marriage month, questionable marriage month. We haven't done a ton of B-movies. Maybe that changes our expectations going into it. I think it affected mine. I was curious about where you ended up watching this, Craig. I ended up watching this on YouTube. Please tell me, did you watch the version from Commander USA? You bet I did. Oh, so good, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was great. Not not only because of the interstitials with Commander USA, Yes. which I'm going to be honest, I did not watch each and every one of Neither those. Neither did I. However, the commercials, Fan- specifically oh, God. Yeah. the Demi Moore Diet Coke commercials, <laughs> were beautiful. Okay, yeah, let me just give a little bit of background on this, because, yeah, it, we mentioned it's on YouTube I didn't realize exactly what format it was on YouTube, but there's a fantastic one that I definitely recommend. And if you look for the words Commander USA in the title of this movie, it will pull up what someone I think just recorded on VHS, an airing of this movie during a sort of, I don't know, like one of those Elvira or Joe Bob Briggs like shows where you had a host introduce a movie and they did these interstitial comedy segments. And Commander USA... I mean, that dude, God, was he probably pushing 60 at the time? I don't know. He seemed like he yeah. kind of some gray hair, a little of the, who's that guy, Cliff from Cheers? Sure. But he's dressed up as a superhero with just the words USA. He chomps a cigar, kind of a Jersey, New York accent. As far as I could tell, he's only Commander USA because it was on the USA Network, right? Yeah. <laughs> So it really doesn't have anything to do with America or whatever. Well, and that was one of the things. I mean, he he definitely seemed legit, but there's also kind of that feeling of like, you know, if, if you're not on a local station in a town at night, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it feels like maybe, maybe, maybe you're a little too, a little too fancy. I mean, this had to be the last gasp of that, right? Because this was, I think, 89, yeah. wasn't it, when it was on the air? I think I noticed from one of the commercials. Yeah. But, uh. I'm with you. Just some some fantastic commercials. I really enjoyed, and I know, I hope you saw this one, the Freddy Krueger telephone number that you could call, the 1-900 number. Oh, I remember that. You could call. Yeah. I, I absolutely, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my God, I remember that. And I was just, yeah. it was 1-900-909-FRED. And yep. lucky random callers got to actually talk, I guess, live to somebody pretending to be Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I was going to say, like, for the life of me, like, who would call that? Who would pay? I don't know, like, who paid? I would love to know the stats of yeah. how much money they possibly made off of this rinky-dinky telephone line. For for our younger listeners, there was a time when Freddy Krueger was a very famous character. Yeah, and a funny character, too, right? He was like... And a funny character. I mean, to the point where in that commercial... Freddy, and this is that definitely the actual Robert England talking. Yeah. He says, kids, you know, talk to your parents first before you call. And I'm like, kids? Yeah. Like, why are there kids calling this? <laughs> like, they shouldn't want to talk to Freddy at all. I, honestly, I, I thought you were going to uh, bring up the Jimmy Walker sitcom that, like, I, I mean, well, part of it is because I never had cable, but I don't remember that at all. Nor do I, I. Jimmy Walker having a sitcom in the 80s. I don't remember that whatsoever. I wondered if it was very short-lived, but... I have a feeling. Well, I mean, it's USA and, yeah. 
Two more favorites, though, and then we'll actually we'll get to the actual movie. One was they did a, a sweepstakes called The Slice of Vice, which I don't know if they had Miami Vice reruns at the time. I'm guessing maybe they did. I bet they did, If yeah. not, they were clearly trying to capitalize on it, where they were giving away, you got it, a Ferrari Testarossa, because that's the most 80s car ever. <laughs> uh, and then there was one for Semi-Sid, which, did you see that? It was a, a no. contraceptive insert, which I've never heard of. And like I was talking to my wife about this, and it was just like, I have to imagine that there were some serious health issues or something involved. Because <laughs> I think it just w- just disappeared off the face of the earth, like probably not long after this. Oh, but man. yeah, fun stuff. I definitely recommend checking out that version. The movie does not look great in that version. But you kind—I no. I, kind of didn't care, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly toward the end, where whatever good cinematography there was was not coming through. Nope. Somebody needed to adjust the tracking on that thing the entire time. <laughs> I mean, I'm very grateful that they they had it up there because there was no way I was going to be able to watch that movie in in like the two days rental window that I would have had. Yeah. I'm I'm grateful for that and and for Commander USA. I mean, really, honestly, that's a that's a great. Yeah. Thing that someone has done. I'm, I'm glad YouTube hasn't taken that down yet. I know. I think it sort of adds to the experience. But yeah, it is a very short movie. It's an hour and 18 minutes. But that, when you see it online, it'll say it. It is two hours, yeah, with all the interstitials and the, and the commercials. Yeah. But anyway, with that behind us, tell me, what did you think about I Married a Monster from Outer Space? I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's one of those that, uh, it's 1958. It's a low budget movie, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I guess it's, it seems kind of like in between worlds a little bit, because I mean it's a Paramount movie, right? But I didn't expect a lot from it. It gave me just a little bit more than what I expected. At the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty happy about it. What about you? Same. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I, I expected it to be a little cheesier. I expected yeah. the effects to be worse. And mm-hmm. it's not that they're fantastic in this thing. But I think they're used in a way where it's less is more. Like you see less than you necessarily need to. And of course, that makes your imagination fill in those gaps. So it seems kind of cooler and scarier perhaps than it is. Mm -hmm. I thought that helped immensely. And, you know, story aside, I just thought there was a good kind of vibe to it. Like they got that right. You know, the pacing Mm -hmm. of it was fine. From the moment poor Bill is inhabited by uh, an alien, he just has this imposing woodenness to him, which (laughs) maybe helps when you're using B actors as well, right? Yeah. I don't know. It just kind of created this sort of like creepiness to it that's probably better than like the alternative of, oh, here's some cheap man in suit effects and you're supposed to be scared because there's a woman screaming. And like it, it wasn't. It wasn't that throughout, you know, it was like, it was more about like, okay, something's not right. I need to figure out what it is. I figure out what it is. Now, what do I do with that information? Who can I tell and how can we stop this? And so by that account, like, I think the story actually, I mean, it kind of, it, it works for what it is. Like, there's not any huge moments where I'm like, okay, this is just absolutely ridiculous, you know? Yeah, and in fact, yeah, I thought there were some good, some good creep out moments. You know, one involving a dog, and then mm-hmm. a, a cockroach, and uh, we'll we'll get into some of those specifics in in a bit. But um, let's go ahead and just pick on it a little bit. Is there a story failure 
or some overriding thing that prevented this from being as enjoyable as it maybe could have been hmm. or that you wanted more from it in some aspect? I mean, that seems like such a such a, a, a greedy thing. To, I know. <laughs> and it's tough to like impose upon this specifically, you know, because you, you know, they're ham. What they have like one hundred seventy five thousand dollars to make this movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really did. I feel as as much as they could do. I think if, if anything in the movie really bothered me, and this is really, I think, a testament to to how much I enjoyed it, that that this is the thing that bothered me. What bothered me were there. There seemed to be a lot of day for night shots. Yeah, that were at least to me entirely unconvincing, to the point where at least one of the scenes i only realized oh it's supposed to be nighttime at the end 100 percent. yep me too yep I know which one because i was like about. how is this happening in broad daylight and then i was like <laughs> yeah. oh i bet it's supposed to be nighttime <laughs> well but 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 maybe if we had watched a better copy you know may, maybe would have been a little easier to to tell because most of it looked a little dark but but honestly like that that would be the biggest distraction otherwise i don't know man i mean it it, it held together it, it set up its rules it stayed to them uh, it it kind of delivered everything you wanted. The effects that it used, it used them when it needed to, and it didn't. It wasn't in love with its own effects. Right. It wasn't like you're saying. It's not one of those things where, well, we built that suit, so put that thing in most of the movie. My God, we're gonna use it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the telltale signs that the the humans who have been um, overtaken or uh, mm-hmm. compromised, if you will, by these aliens. And uh, in, in living inside them, they used sort of. I ended up just when my notes would call it a flash face uh, <laughs> device, yes. where their faces would just flash as if you're seeing the alien underneath. And it at times it becomes, I think, a sort of way that the aliens are communicating with one another, mm-hmm. even if they're not in the same location. Which I thought, well, then that that's kind of cool. Again, I don't know if it's just the copy or what, but like you can't really make out what it is. Like it just you, know, you got this actor, and then suddenly. It's as if there's something superimposed on their face a little bit, but not. Mm-hmm. But you can't. You just can't really tell what it is, or I couldn't. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was kind of creepy, you know. And they've got that yeah. sort of like pulsating uh, warble on the soundtrack every time that that comes on. And it's like, okay, this is my alien moment. Me, greedily, I would have loved like ten percent more agency from Marge in the end. Sure. When we'll get to it, but these aliens. They get unplugged from a machine like they just there's guys that pull out a plug from an outlet and that's how it kind of ends. I would have liked to see her have to make that choice, probably par for the course of this era. In fact, there's probably a long list of other films that we could point to where the you know the main female character is way more hapless than uh, good old Marge is in this movie. I mean, she does Mm -hmm. sort of drive the story engine. Although that was cool, just like yeah, it'd been nice if. In the end, she really did something that was visual and consequential. Well, yeah, and I mean that that brings up another good point, and maybe this is maybe this is another problem I have with the movie. But I'm interested to, to know how you feel about this. You get to the end where Bill is kind of finally laying out what's going on to Marge, and it feels a little like the movie's trying to have it both ways. Yeah, like almost like you're supposed to feel bad for the for the aliens. Like, it kind of softens all that stuff. So she almost doesn't have a bad guy to fight against at the end in a weird way. I know exactly what you're talking about. By the end, yeah, we find out that even though all this time, I at least thought these aliens are inside of these people's bodies. Yeah. Previous to really establishing what these creatures are, they use a smoke effect as if 
smoke overtakes a human, and then when the smoke goes away, the body is gone completely. And mm-hmm. so I just thought, okay, well, somewhere in that little bit of magic, uh, that smoke is, is entering the human and whatever disappears, but then it comes back and the alien is now inside of it. That's why we have those little moments where their face flashes. But in the end, we find out, no, the humans are actually suspended in the spaceship, plugged into these machines, and I guess the aliens have somehow taken on uh, a copy of these bodies. That just seemed like unnecessary to me. (laughs) You know, it was like, well, that's a whole different level of technology for one thing. You're making sort of like an outward shell of it. But it does. Like it allows them then to kill the alien and not and save the human. Whereas, man, that would have been really interesting. It's like, yeah, there's an alien inside of you. What are you going to do? Like, are you going to let it live uh, or are you going to have to destroy it even though you know it might kill the human that is still a shell somewhere there? Right. I wanted to ask you this because I know you're such a deep thinker. You know, a lot of movies from this era, I feel like, get discussed and have been discussed now in hindsight as having like a little bit of social commentary or or even like a comment upon like the fact that there was this hunger for these type of B movies was reflective of, you know, post-war America at the time, Mm -hmm. you know. Do you have any sort of interpretation of if there is like a broader social theme message comment in this movie i guess there were a couple that i was trying to feel out i'm not sure if any of them really land but i mean one could just be as simple as the anxiety of of getting married Mm -hmm. marriage is a very big deal well in in the 50s absolutely And, and and like you know it's probably something that would not have been maybe talked about very much in 1958 divorce rates were pretty low Mm -hmm. back then i think you were pretty much just supposed to uh well your marriage sucks well too bad yeah that's your choice enjoy picket fence and two kids right exactly and so maybe a part of it would be playing on that anxiety of just like yeah like you can get married to somebody and then sometime later you kind of feel like why did i get married to this person? i don't even know this person so i mean that's that's a possibility as far as like a big sociological thing i, I was trying to figure that out I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know if there was a bigger political message in it. What what were you thinking? What did you come away with it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess like you, maybe there is a, a, a thread to pull out of that sort of, and I don't, I don't know if this is the height of like the Red Scare a little bit, where it's the idea of there's communists walking around, you know, amongst you and they look just like you, uh, but they're sure. not your husband. Like if his political ideas changed and he's not the person you married. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, there could be some of that, but I, I don't know if that's a thing because of the, re- well, shit, maybe it is. Oh, we should talk about the reason these aliens are here in the first place is in fact to breed because the women on their planet have gone extinct due to, I, I think it was like an increase in temperature or something from the sun's rays caused them. I don't know. It was some, I remember he gave the reason, but it was... Climate change. A little bit, mm-hmm. which they were definitely talking about already back then. Boy, you're right. Actually, that that's starting to, that sounds about right. And you could even make an argument that it's relevant now where, where it's like well we need more of our kind white supremacy and uh but we got to 
change these women so that we can actually breed with them. Yeah, because he, I mean, the guy basically says is like, we know we are faced with extinction. We are a dying kind. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some of that in there. Did find myself wondering too, just even about the marriage thing and like, maybe if I do have another nitpick, it's like, yeah, the first 10 minutes are pretty clunky and on the nose about, I mean, it's just like one, one guy complaining about marriage after the other. I don't know. It just makes me wonder about like, yeah, Gene Fowler Jr. Is he just like some hep cat who was just like, you know, only squares get married. You know? yeah. These guys that made this thing. And it's just like, we're going to take that down, that whole system, you know, and just show how bullshit it is. And it was kind of interesting, too, that there was at least one female character who is kind of a barfly. I don't know if she's like supposed to represent like this is what could happen to you if you don't find a man. You're just sort of desperately going from <laughs> right. drunk to drunk and the bartender and like there's not a lot of good options presented to her. And then she doesn't seem like the best person either. So right. I don't know. I'm sure all of that stuff is in there and inherent. I don't know. Maybe we'll find some some scholarly papers on how I married a monster from outer space somewhere. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit of just about the setup here, and then I'll give people kind of a better idea of how they execute getting into this. We follow two gentlemen in as they park at a restaurant and get out of their car, and there's a couple just straight up making out in a car in the parking lot, convertible. (laughs) And one of the guys who got out, he just walks over and kind of stares at him and bangs on the car door. And they don't even... (laughs) Don't even turn their head or anything. No. I'm just like, good God, these guys are, are getting into it here or whatever. But we go inside and like we meet Bill and he's with his friends. It's the eve of his wedding, I think, and they're they're trying to get drunk with him, and it's just these sort of like bad jokes about marriage that we were talking about. Oh, on his way home, he's a little bit drunk. I think this was like the first moment, and it happened so quickly in the movie where I was like, Oh, whoa, okay. He's driving on a dirt road, he sees something in the road. We get close enough to see it's a body. He slams on the brakes, and you get the sort of like road shot, like from the cameras, kind of like down pretty low. And that car straight, like it stops, but it straight up hits the dummy. That's oh yeah, <laughs> and the dummy rolls a little bit out of frame, I think, didn't it? And I was like, yeah. oh my god, like I didn't expect. It. <laughs> I mean, it both looked fake and kind of cheesy, but also like effective enough that it did, like it got a reaction out of me for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he even makes a comment about, like, I don't think I had that much to drink because once he gets out, the body's gone. And I still, I don't know, whose body was that, Craig? That would have been, yeah, I don't know. Part of the problem, I think, in this movie with that specific question and the answer that we just gave is every single one of these guys kind of looks the same. Yes, yes, very much so. Everyone has the short cut, black hair. Everyone's wearing essentially the same clothes. That's rough. They're about the same age. Uh, yeah, it was a little tough for me to d- differentiate. But we get a shot where there is a, like a monster or alien arm and hand with some mm-hmm. weird long fingers. Reaches out for Bill. The smoke overtakes Bill and voila, he's gone. Yeah. Next thing you know, we meet Marge. She's in her wedding dress and Bill is late for the wedding uh, some of his friends from the night before were there, and they say, no, he actually was the first one to leave. We don't know. We didn't talk to him since. Uh, and then he walks in, and you can tell, like, he's not the same person. I don't know. I just thought, like, again, like, the economy of storytelling there, like, that really worked for me. Like, let's just, yeah, mm-hmm. let's get to it. You know, he's a different person now. We were barely five minutes into the movie. 
It doesn't get into anything about him like, I don't know, I just, I don't feel good or something weird happened. No, he is the alien inside. From that moment on, anytime you see Bill, except for the very, very end, he's not Bill, he's an alien. And so there's yeah. never that question of like, what happened to me? Um, which I was kind of worried about a little bit. So I liked that. Yeah. They go off on their honeymoon and on the way there, they're driving and he's kind of driving like a bat out of hell. It's night again, day for night. And he almost gets into an accident. The guy in the other car yells at him. He's like, you didn't even have your headlights on, you jackal. And uh, he doesn't <laughs> say that exactly, I don't think. No. Marge, who had been sleeping in the car, was like, how, did, how could you see with your lights off? He just snaps her. He's like, I told you I forgot. <laughs> They're, I don't know, like in a hotel or a resort or something. There's thunder and lightning throughout this movie. I think that night is when we get sort of the first flash on his face, and then we see that something mm -hmm. was going on. Marge is, is anxious to kind of spend some intimate time alone with her new husband. Oh, yeah. It's all implied. We don't see anything there. But after this, there is a little sequence where she's writing a letter, and with that Commander USA version, like you, I couldn't make out a damn thing of what she was writing, but some of it was something about him being, Bill seems like a stranger to me. Mm -hmm. She crumples it up and throws it away. To me, it was a little unclear about how much time had passed, and I was kind of surprised by that because... In some ways, doesn't that work against the expediency that these aliens should be feeling to try and save their race, their population, their species? The next thing we know, it's been a year that they've been married because we find yeah. out she's at the doctor and she's wondering why she hasn't got pregnant yet. Right. Which I think is a really interesting thing to introduce here, especially early on. But how do you feel about that knowing that these two people have been married for a year and there's just been an alien inside of Bill. And I guess presumably he's just been going to work. He's been hanging out. Uh, he's been mm -hmm. having sex with her. He's been watching TV, going to the game, whatever he does. But as an alien, like he's just been, I guess, fitting into life. Comment on that, please. Well, first of all, that means that weird alien people blend right in with whatever we're doing. Right, sure. So that's a little disturbing. But also, I'll say this. I don't know if I missed something, but I did not understand that it was a year later. She says that to the doctor, and he says, well, you know, my wife and I, it took us five years before we had our first child. You know, he, he tells her that there's nothing wrong oh, with okay. her, but then asks if Bill could come in to see her, to see the doctor, sorry. Right. And you of course you know that's if that happens uh, it's going to get real tricky. So which I don't know. I still feel like I don't think they did that scene which would have been an interesting scene to have Bill confronted with a doctor, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it it was it was a huge jump, but again, I guess the thing is I know that's where it's going. So part of me is glad that we just got right right there. That it's not just a week later. Yeah. It's like it's been so long that it's like she she's very worried about it. Which is kind of cool. I don't know if um, even just like a, like a, would a montage be terrible to see if I can, I don't know. I just right. find myself like, what the hell was this alien doing for a year? Like, that's crazy to just think about, you know, um, E.T. Yeah. staying for a year and just blending right in. But anyway, also important to the fact that they've been married for a year 
Marge brings home a surprise present for Bill in a cage with a cover on it. And it turns out to be a little dog. And uh, I don't know. You want to you wanna tell people what happens with this dog, Craig? Because I can't do it without crying. No, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, she, she, she brings this adorable dog home in a bird cage, it seems like. I thought it was going to be a bird. I know it's, it's not really a bird cage, but, but uh, you know, brings a dog home. And I, and I think this is a well-established scientific fact, is that dogs can't stand aliens. They can sniff them out for sure, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> they know if you're an alien. Yes, yeah. there is no two ways about it. But unfortunately, uh, Marge doesn't know this. Yeah, so the dog goes crazy barking at the guy. And what do they decide? Oh, he must, he's just, he seems so nice at the shop. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll warm up to you. Stick him in the basement. Yeah, okay. And so it's like, let's put him in our enormous basement. (laughs) Oh, God. That's as big as another house. But yeah, so they put the dog in the basement. Bill goes downstairs. Mm -hmm. I think unbeknownst to Marge. Mm -hmm. Dog is just going hog wild, (laughs) barking. Because dogs hate aliens. And Bill, I believe, does Bill snap its neck? He does. Well, it's either that or he strangles it, uh, which I don't even know. That seems even harder. Before that, though, he he picks up a hammer. And I was like, you, you, oh, you, right, you yeah. got to be kidding me. I was like, you can't do this in 1958. Thankfully, he does put that down. But then you get almost like a POV shot of like, yeah, Bill walking forward with his hand out. As if you know, like, yeah, he's going to snap this dog's neck. And uh, yeah. sure enough, that's what he does. And like when it, yeah, when it yelps, its last yelp, Marge comes down. And this I, I did think was a little funny. He, he, <laughs> well, just revealing of the fact that he's not human beyond the fact that he just killed a dog. He tells her, he's like, I don't want you getting upset about this. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, well, you're, you just strangled the dog and it died. I think it'd be fair for her to get upset about this, you know. And he blames it on the leash, like it, you know, he says that it strangled itself or hung itself. Because that's something dogs do constantly. Oh, yeah, especially crazy dogs, yeah, from the pound. <laughs> uh, but they go upstairs, and this is like one of, another one of those things I just love, like these little, like, 50s moments here where they're talking, and he's like, again, don't want you getting too upset about this. You know, you should go see the doctor and like as he's telling her that like she pulls out a cigarette and starts smoking (laughs) yeah which of course you know is like the doctor was probably smoking too so ah just different time i love it miss cigarettes in movies craig don't you oh man more than life itself after this you know we find out i I can't even remember i I think we saw the scene earlier uh there's a couple cutaways to some of the other guys in town during the night usually and i liked a lot of those scenes that were that were actually night for night, some of those that were dark in, in the town, which I got to say, this town, it seems like the least occupied town in the world, even though there's always people inside the buildings. It's just anytime there's like sure. an exterior shot, there's nobody to be seen. But yeah, so there's a, the, one of the guys is named Sam, and he turns out, you know, we, we understand that he is a monster too. He's been inhabited by an alien. And he's talking to it with Bill, and for some reason, like, I, I don't know, it was weird to me. It seemed like Bill was playing dumb about it until, you know, they, they did the face effect thing. There's a police officer who's definitely a monster. There's a scene where there's like a guy who's pretending to be drunk and these two officers roll up. And what happens is that uh, the guy that was, that was drunk has obviously been inhabited by an alien, too. And they use it to sort of mm-hmm. knock out uh, the policeman's, uh, either the, I think it was the chief or the, yeah, it was the chief, wasn't it? Yeah, And, I mean, all of this is just sort of building up to make the odds 
and the stakes higher for Marge than once she discovers who Bill is. I guess that's maybe we should talk about this scene because that is our our big uh, day for night scene. Uh, you know, she pretends to be asleep one evening, and Bill comes home. I think after talking to Sam at the bar, he sees that she's sleeping, but he doesn't stay put. He goes outside, and he's heading back to the to the spaceship, and she follows him there. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. along the way, we get a nice like <laughs> sound effect of a cat going meow, and we see this like clearly <laughs> fake dead cat uh, along the way on the path, just to make it scarier for Marge. There, it's terrifying. I think this is actually my favorite favorite moment of the movie, though, Craig, uh, is that they play that out like they let her follow follow him all the way back to where we see behind you know these these trees. The spaceship, and again, they did a good job with what they had, I thought, is you really only see like the landing gear of the spaceship, and the rest of it is covered by trees. Bill is there, and then the monster leaves his body, I think, via smoke, if I remember correctly, if not some other effect, and goes Mm -hmm. onto the ship. And then just the shell of his body is standing there, and she approaches it. She's like, Bill? And he's just completely dead-faced, eyes open. She touches him, and he just falls backwards, stiff as a rail, no just response. Just back, yeah. Yeah, and then they get this great shot of this exoskeleton cocoon of a, of a man here laying on the ground, and this sort of cockroach just crawls across his face, and he doesn't even blink. And uh, that was just great. Which was especially odd, I thought. He falls straight back. He's outside. He's outside. I don't know how many times I've been in the woods and seen a cockroach. Not only that, I had to watch it twice because I'm so conditioned to think that it came out of one of his orifices, right? Right. I was like, wait, did that come out of his mouth? That's weird. I went back and I was just like, no, I think it just crawls across his face, right? I think so. It's just, yeah, it's an interesting choice where I feel like if I fell back on the ground, any bug around would would have been like, whoa, and like jumped away. But he's already got this cockroach on his face. So that's I know. And it, I'm pretty sure it's pretty definitely tough. a cockroach. Maybe it was, you know, it was a bad transfer of some other type of bug that would be more sure. prone to seeing in the woods. But yeah, at any rate, I thought it was creepy. I thought there was a nice little montage effect where she runs away in fear. And you just like they'd use these like shimmery dissolves. And you see Bill and you see like the parts of an alien and it. You don't really know what you're seeing or what's really even going on other than the fact that she's running. I don't know. I thought that was stuff was cool. And, of course, yeah. she goes back into this town, which, again, is empty as hell until she walks into a bar and there's all these people. And they know who she is. And she's you know, trying to tell them without really telling them because she knows she's going to sound crazy. And, of course, they do think she's kind of crazy. And she goes to see the police chief who... <sighs> I think they gave some expositional line about the guy being her godfather or I don't know, something like that. Maybe he was right. her actual father. I don't know. He's He was pretty touchy-feely with her in that scene. I don't know if you noticed that. Maybe that was yeah. just the alien inside of him. I don't know. But I was like, this is a little uncomfortable. I don't know why. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> This poor woman's been through enough. Look at her eyebrows, for God's sake. Um, but... I did like the conversation because it was like, you know, she's like, I, you're going to think I'm insane. I know that. And he's like, I, I believe you're sane. I just don't believe you saw exactly what you think you saw. You know, there might right. be some other explanation. Which I was like, 
that's a good sort of realistic way to play that, you know, as opposed to just, ah, sure. oh, you're clearly out of your mind, and you need to be testing, are you drunk? You know, do think the movie gets a little sidetracked after this because they go on with this facade, like Marge just kind of has to go on living with Bill once he comes back home because, and in fact, I think the chief tells her, well, just go back home to Bill because... Or maybe it was a doctor, but it was like, we don't want him getting well, upset, right? If he is an alien. Right. It's it's the chief, right? So he's, yeah. And that was, that was such a, th- a thing of that period. It seems like, boy, that, that really, that really sounds about right. Like, okay, yeah. Well, your job is to just go back to this horrible situation and act like everything's fine while we figure other things out. But the chief himself is... Has, has has he's already been got? He has, yeah. So that right. So that's yeah. why he's doing that. But you're right. It totally the fact that she did that is definitely yeah. a fifty thing. Because I just like right. no, get the like I'm gone. Like I'm gone. There's a bus, car, however, bicycle. I'm out of there. Like there's no way I'm going back to this guy. I'm changing the locks at the very least. Right. But no, they like they go back into the routine of their daily life kind of and it, and suddenly like there's a whole side story about the fact that Sam is now getting married to a woman named Helen. You know, there's a rehearsal for their wedding where Marge tries to tell Helen that she thinks, you know, Sam and Bill are both aliens and monsters and she knows what she's seen. There's a scene where they're just like hanging out at a lake and have a picnic. But Sam is in a rowboat with Helen, and he falls in the water suddenly, (laughs) which it was a little weird. But they at least like they shot it from a distance. You don't quite know what's going on. The people on the beach don't quite know what's going on. It's just like that. Why is he in the in the water? And it's like, well, surely he can swim. It's like, oh, but he's not. They bring him on the shore. And I guess this is sort of a little bit of the compromise of not seeing Bill go to the doctor is like you got the EMT guy there. He gives Sam oxygen and he straight up dies like he doesn't have a pulse after that. And it's like, that's weird. He was alive before I gave him the oxygen. It's as if the oxygen killed him. Again, Marge knows what that means. I guess it's just really about the fact that she's a little powerless to do anything about it. Right. Right. I don't remember exactly where in the, the chain of events here she <laughs> she tries to call the FBI, I guess. And the time that involves, I guess, getting on the phone with the operator and just asking for Washington, D.C.? Yeah, probably. She then goes to try and send a wire via Western Union, but mm-hmm. the guy behind the counter tears it up, and she sees him, and so he's an alien too. I don't know. I think by the end of it, maybe, what do you say? There were like five or six dudes who had been turned. Yeah, I, I guess it would be five or six, right? Because we, we kind of see the score at the end. I was I was kind of thinking maybe it's more than that. Well, th- no, it probably was. M- I don't know. Okay. I mean. No, you're absolutely right. Because we see them stacked up in that flying saucer. Yeah. So we know exactly who's been got. And no one else has been got because that invasion is about to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not happening right at that second. No, and in fact, uh, you know, it's it's kind of after the the she tries to send the wire, she ends up confronting Bill about this. I don't remember exactly what the argument or the conversation they had where it came out, I, but he frightens her somehow, and she says, "Does frightening women make you proud?" Which is a great line. Uh, and sure. She says, "Or is that something monsters don't understand?" Yeah, again, those are pretty interesting, compelling lines there uh, when you look at it from that standpoint. 
of of who's doing the talking and the power relationship there. He speaks to her. He doesn't, again, try to hide it, which I, th- I thought was the right choice for sure. Because we understand it, but we can't afford it. Here's where he explains that, yeah, they're from another planet and things were unstable. They had to build the spaceships to get out of there, which took time. And in that time, the sun, I guess, zapped the women somehow. Maybe the climate change thing we're talking about here. So they were doomed for extinction. But it gets a little wishy washy. I don't know, for me, I'm curious about your take on Bill saying that they're here to breed, but being in a human body has sort of introduced these other emotions to him. Like he didn't certainly didn't understand what love is when he arrived on this planet, but now he kind of has a notion of it. He says, eventually we'll have children. She says, what kind? And he says, our kind, I think. Right. I got to say, I got a little worried that they were going to try to play the card that he was now in, like he was a monster who was now in love with her. Right. (laughs) I don't know. Did you get any red flags about that when he started talking about having learned new emotions or does that just kind of fit in with, is that more of just like a clinical intellectual thing for these monsters? Well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of didn't exactly know how to take it either. I, I did think that's where it was going to go. I thought it was going to be, well, I love you. And, you know, and, and if he did, then then she was going to be like, well, if you really love me, you would give me my husband back. And ah, then yeah. we do all that stuff. But again, it's it's kind of that, that softening of the end. But I think you're right. Overall, it's more of an intellectual thing because he doesn't seem at all, I, I don't know, emotional. <laughs> During I know. Yeah, I think ultimately just it does come back to the fact that they're just trying to repopulate, which again, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's like that they position it in a way that there's scientists involved in these this group of aliens and they're responsible for figuring out how to make pregnancy happen, how to fertilize the mm-hmm. egg with what they've got. I do like the notion that that would take time. You know, it's like arrival. It, it would take time for humans and aliens to learn how to communicate with one another, right? Yeah. So in some ways, I think that does kind of earn the fact that it's it's been a year that they've been in this relationship, although I'm still curious as to hell is what this guy did for a year. But anyway, right. anyway. So yeah, I don't know. Just like talking about how the movie sort of ex- exceeded my expectations, it's like that level of sci-fi exceeded my expectations. That there was some thought, I guess, behind it and some sort of like, sure. you know, intellectual consideration here. Anyway, it's just building up to our showdown. Marge then with this information, that is certainly a deal breaker. Like there's no way she's going to have a kid with this monster. She goes mm-hmm. and tells the doctor who does believe her. I think he again sends her home to to the monster. To, to keep up the facade while they can do something about it. She lies to Bill saying she told the police chief and he's called the National Guard and the Air Force is going to come in and it's only a matter of time before they blow up the spaceship and, and you know, kill these aliens. Of course, Bill knows that the chief is one of them, so he's not buying that at all. And all around this time, we're intercutting with a couple other guys from town and the doctor... They've got their shotguns out and their bloodhounds, and they're looking for this ship in the woods. Uh, once they got close, I thought it was kind of interesting. There was like a cutaway briefly, and I wasn't sure what this thing was, but it was almost like an alarm, like they like a motion sensor of sorts 
that, that once these people got close enough to the ship, it sent out these little messages to all the aliens in town, right? And, and yeah. suddenly, like, Bill knows instinctively, like, these guys are trying to attack our ship. He goes out after it. There's some lasers involved, which I'm still a little confused about. Did they just come out of their alien hands or where exactly? With aliens, you never know. I thought it was a cool-looking effect. It didn't bother me. And then, yeah, the guys get to the ship and they see these human bodies or sort of plugged in Matrix style to some mm-hmm. sort of machine. And maybe the production value wasn't the best there, although I don't know what you could do. But he, yeah, it becomes a matter of uh, whether or not they're going to unplug them because that could possibly kill uh, the humans themselves. Which, I, I, that's such a cool like moral dilemma, I think. I do like it. It know? is. Yeah. I'm not sure they made the right choice, though, Craig, you know? <laughs> Neither am I. Neither am I, Sean. I'm still a little confused how unplugging them caused the ship to get blown up exactly, or was that a self-destruct device of some kind? I am not clear on that either, although that would make enough sense. But yeah, it doesn't seem like that's really pointed out. There's another cool effect shot, I thought, where an alien, like once they're unplugged, you see the alien that was inside of Bill more or less dissolve and uh, mm-hmm. Commander USA said it looked like digested oatmeal spilling out of where the head used <laughs> Boy, to be. Boy, it really did. It did, absolutely. It looked really disgusting and cool. And that that's kind of it, you know. We get our happy ending because Bill did not, in fact, die. His human form is A-OK, and he and Marge uh, can run into each other's arms and have a happy moment here. Anything I didn't mention that you liked or didn't like? Um Again, it's a, I don't know, it's a pretty brisk movie. It moves pretty fun. Once they figure out that they're aliens, it's how, how are you going to stop them, you know? Classic conundrum. Yeah, you can't, can't stop them. Uh, I, I, I like how at the end, I think it's the, is it the police chief that sends out word to all the other aliens that they should abandon their mission to take over Earth? Yes, you're right. And, 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 and he's another, actually, that was the grossest one to me that I really liked was he made that uh, announcement while the, the authorities were turning off, you know, the the machines in the spaceship and, you know, setting these guys free. And so this alien, he's like, ah, and he's dying, and he falls over, and then you just get a shot of his hand. I think that's right. Get a shot of his hand mm-hmm. as, it, as it turns into, you know, vomit yeah. or whatever. I don't know, whatever. And it just comes pouring out of his sleeve. And I was like, oh, man, you guys you went for it on that one. That was yeah. pretty gross. And then you get the big shot of, you know, spaceships flying away from the earth at the end right. and i was like yeah Forgot about that that's pretty good it's pretty pretty tight little ending there we don't have to feel completely as if this race of aliens is going to be extinct entirely maybe there's hope for them yet just not on this planet yes craig i again i was just kind of surprised by the level of enjoyment that the movie gave me and just you know the experience of watching it and kind of skimming through the commander usa and the nostalgic commercials I think it made for a really fun, fun movie and a slightly more elevated B movie than I thought we might get. So easy recommendation for me. Yeah, I, I I would say the same thing. I mean, it still kind of has its really nice um, drive-in movie vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been a great double feature with The Blob, but it also has it has just enough, you know, sort of emotion and, and things to chew on that. It keeps you interested. So 
I, I, I would have to uh, also uh, recommend. It would be interesting. I don't know. The blob was in color. Or no. Was it? Yeah. It would be interesting mm-hmm. to see a colorized version of this movie. Like, I, I don't know. Like, in some yeah. ways, it could it could totally work and might actually, I don't know, in my opinion, would might might look a little better in some ways. But nonetheless, yeah. definitely go get your car from the garage, drive it right into your living room, park it, and watch this be a good double feature. Yeah. Keep That's keep the advice. engine running. You're going to want to do that. Absolutely. Keep it warm. Go find that version on YouTube. Otherwise, I, I think it's readily available to rent without the fun commentary. And uh, Craig, mm-hmm. we're coming back next time, next month, a whole new slate of flicks. Look for that. Oh, boy. Any last words? Sean, I just want to say to our listeners out there that I, for one, am happy that we still have our women. Me too. Don't go extinct. Oh, it's a bother. All right. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye.